Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Allison Gannett. Allison founded Allison's Anti-Cancer Personalized Nutrition in 2015 with support in preventing and conquering cancer. This journey began in 2013 when she was diagnosed with terminal malignant brain cancer and given just over six months to live. She turned her diagnosis into optimal health with the help of Dr. Nisha Winters. Deciding to then pay it forward, she graduated in 2015 from Dr. Nisha's Integrative Cancer Advocacy Network and has continued to learn from Dr. Nisha's wealth of knowledge ever since. Her virtual one-on-one coaching customizes each client's nutrition and lifestyle plan using their extensive blood chemistry, lab testing, nutritional genome DNA profile, molecular tumor testing, and their detailed health history. Allison is a former world champion extreme skier an award-winning climate change consultant. She and her husband grow and raise 99% of their food at their organic farm near Peonia, Colorado. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Allison, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I've been so looking forward to talking to you. I'm honored to be here. Well, you know, I wanted to hear a little bit about what your life was like prior to cancer and and what were some of your symptoms? Well, uh, it's the classic that we always hear is I thought I was a healthy person. And I really thought I I was a professional extreme skier. So I'm a professional athlete um, was and I was exercising a lot, whether it's uh, training for jumping off a cliff or riding my mountain bike or running in the mountains. And I thought, you know, more exercise is better exercise. Um, I was eating all organic food. And uh, then eventually we moved to our organic farm and now we grow and raise all our own foods. I really just thought I was happy and healthy. And, you know, lo and behold, when I, I started having some strange symptoms, uh, I started forgetting things. I had a a talk with Microsoft in uh, Las Vegas and I was the keynote speaker and I forgot to get on the plane. 
That was a big problem. I didn't even realize, you know, that these things were happening. My husband noticed that I was having personality changes, but he just thought like I was mad at him or, you know, our kitchen renovation was taking too long or he had no idea. And one day I was actually cooking at the stove and the pan caught on fire and the flames were going up to the ceiling. And because my brain tumor was so big, I just thought it was beautiful. And I was just standing there watching it like, wow. And meanwhile, I'll stop my video here. You can see that's my head. Those are my eyes. And that is the tumor in the middle there. So it literally took up almost all of my brain. And so when he took me to the ER that night after I almost burned the house down, um, then all of a sudden we were dealing with, you know, you have six months to live and here we go. Wow. So it was just boom, 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 just quick. And then they said you needed surgery right away, right? Yes. I was dying from that tumor. The tumor was so large that it was doing what we call a midline shift. And then it was also pressuring. There's only two blood vessels that go to your head. And so basically I was not getting any blood circulating to my brain. And I probably, I could have dropped dead that week. So it was just lucky that we went to the ER. Yes. Yes. Very, very traumatic. I knew something was wrong. I went to a bunch of doctors and, you know, they just don't know how to read labs in a preventative manner. They didn't know what to look for. I mean, somebody should have ordered a scan at some point, but now I know. That's for sure. And now you're doing so much to help others. Uh, So after your surgery, what was next? Well, the surgery was a 10-hour surgery, and so luckily they sent me home to recover. And they said, look, we're going to do double chemo, double radiation. That's standard of care for your type of tumor. And I nodded and smiled and went home. And after I started feeling a little bit better, I started doing research on my type of tumor. And I realized they did not tell me that the tumor was terminal they did not tell me that no one lives with my type of tumor with chemo and radiation. And actually now even the research is showing that with my type of tumor, if you do chemo and radiation, you often live shorter than if you had done nothing at all. So I was relieved to have discovered this um, <laughs> and discovered Dr. Nasha in this time frame while I was recovering. I did a four-day workshop with Dr. Nisha at that point. And she was talking all about the root causes of cancer and how you look at labs and DNA. And I'm just a science-minded person. It just made sense to me. Cancer isn't something that just happens to us, right? It's not a random thing that, you know, God just gives some people cancer and other people not cancer. There's a reason we got sick. And so we can use that knowledge to make ourselves healthier or not. Right. And and you said something that so many people say that they felt happy, they felt content, they felt healthy. What do you think was going on for you at that time? Well, we'd have to be here for about a hundred hours. <laughs> but I I would say, you know, I call it um I call it my four things and it's it's called shit, S H I T. S is for stress perception, H is for hormones, I is for insulin, and T is for toxins. 
So that is just kind of a quick way of summarizing Dr. Nisha's Terrain 10, which is the 10 different areas that can contribute to a cancering process. I just find it easier for, for me to remember and for my clients to remember, you're not going to forget shit. So. No, that's great. So, you know, I needed to look into um, my childhood, uh, adult child of an alcoholic. So I had a lot of abandonment issues as a, a kid. Um, I had a lot of hormone imbalances. I had immune system dysfunction. I had vitamin D3 problems. I had sleep issues, toxins. Genetics were off. Stress was through the roof. I had toxic water, uh, toxic air. Uh, I didn't realize that a lot of the foods I was eating were carbohydrates and contributing to insulin resistance. I didn't know I had radon. I didn't know that the dental issues were, you know, contributing. I didn't know about mold that was in my body or Lyme disease or viruses that were in my box body. You know, it kind of just the list just goes on and on. So I think like, you know, cancer is like a smoothie or it's like a stew or a soup. It's an amalgamation of probably a hundred different things. Everybody's recipe for their smoothie or their stew or their soup is going to be kind of similar, but also very different. It's such a good analogy um, because it's like solving a puzzle, right? There's not just yes. one thing. And, and I think people sometimes want that one thing. They want that one reason or that quick fix. And, and it's a process, as you know, right? And yeah. I know as well, for sure. And I remember you saying at one point that you were a vegetarian and that that was not the right diet for you. And I think so many people think like, okay, I have to be completely plant-based. And so I would love you just to talk a little bit about that. Well, I really think we're all different. And that's why I always start with people's labs. And I look at how is their protein absorption doing? How is their ferritin levels? And then immediately, if those are off, I'm jumping over to their genetics and looking at how do they have the ability to process meat or not? Um, are do, are they going to have a propensity towards genetic hemochromatosis, which means like it meat could cause an iron toxicity? Cancer loves high ferritin. Also, there's a bunch of genes that cause you to be a bad vegetarian. Which it's funny when we did my gene report, I was a vegetarian. My gene report came back like, no, this person needs to eat meat. She would be a terrible vegetarian. Long story short. Then we did my husband's DNA. My husband is a cattle rancher. He raises beef for a living. He basically was eating tons of red meat. His DNA came back with the HFE gene, which means he can never eat red meat. So we had to switch diets. Wow. We were both eating the exact thing our body did not want. And did you, or did he have symptoms? Nope. Neither of us had any symptoms. Mm. Nope. But we did find out once we found out he had genetic hemochromatosis, uh, once we started poking around because it's inherited from your parents, that his father died of it uh, at 52. And that most people who have genetic hemochromatosis tend to die in their early 50s. And when we found it in my husband, he was 45. So he had about five to seven years to live. So thank goodness I got cancer. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here today. 
That is so amazing. Oh my goodness. And what kind of testing is that? Is that the genome testing? Yeah, so that's nutrition genome. A lot of people are familiar with like 23andMe or Ancestry. Those are more genetics about like where you came from. And this nutritiongenome.com is more about like what you can eat and what you can't eat or your propensity of what you should eat or not should eat. Not should eat. That's not good English. But anyway, you know what I mean? (laughs) I know. Um, And then also how you detox things like estrogen. So a lot of cancers are driven by estrogen. So we want to see like how your detox patterns are for estrogen. It also will tell us what medications you can basically metabolize well, what would medications you would metabolize slow or poorly. Uh, It also shows us how you detox toxins. So all these things, like if you take, um, you know, two people that live in the same area, one person would drink maybe toxic water and then develop cancer. Another person might not very simplified. That just means that one person is going to be able to process toxins better than the other person. I am a very, very poor processor of toxins. And it was interesting when I ran my toxin tests, you know, I'm an organic farmer living in this beautiful valley, you know, I'm surrounded by green, every, we don't have any chemicals, we grow and raise all our own food. When my toxin tank test came back, I had 200 different types of like chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, uh, plastics, diesel fuel, every kind of toxin you can think of. I was in like the 90th percentile. And then all my mold tests came back the same way through the roof. And so I wasn't, I was drinking filtered water. I was eating organic food and yet I was just filled with chemicals. And so literally, you know, our bodies, if you're a poor detoxer, you're holding on to everything. Even like if your mother, my mother smoked when, you know, she was pregnant with me, I would still have those carcinogens in my body from all the way back. So that's why, you know, when I do a health history of my clients, we're looking all the way back to when they were conceived and we're looking at all the stress, hormones, insulin, and toxins that they were exposed to their whole life. That's so important. Like you said, to test because you were doing, it seemed like everything right, right? Having organic food, purified water, all of it, but you were not detoxing and correctly. So I think that's so important for people to hear mm-hmm. because, you know, you almost think like, God, what can I do? But this leads you on what you can do. Yeah. And we want to did that uh, detox very gently. A lot of people, my clients jump to things like, oh, I'm going to do chelation or something hardcore. The thing is, is if we bring out the toxins too much, too fast, that can actually cause cancer. So we want to be really gentle with things like um, infrared sauna and also like uh, fulvic acid, humic acid, clay and charcoal. Basically, you're going to bind the toxins with uh, some type of binder, the fulvic acid, humic acid, charcoal and clay. And then it's going to come out in uh, your bowel movements and your urine and also your sweat when you're in the sauna. So when you say do it gently, I mean, a sauna, for example. 
are you just going in, you know, for 10 minutes at first or what, what does that, you know, everybody's different. And really I always work with a Dr. Nisha trained doctor for all of my clients. So I am doing kind of the diet and the lifestyle and the root causes and clearing up the terrain and the stress hormones, insulin and toxins, the shit Um, I'm doing that, but then their doctor is going to be doing uh, the customized treatment protocol. So for example, if you took 10,000 people that had like, let's say a certain type of breast cancer, the reasons they got sick would all be different and the treatments therefore would be different. And the diet would there be also different because we're, you can't say like everybody should be plant-based and eat this amount of saturated fat or this amount of monounsaturated fat. Because frankly, when you look at the DNA, you can see how well people process saturated fat. You can see, like, for example, I was told that coconut oil was great. Then I get my gene test back. I don't have the gene that can process um, saturated fats like coconut oil. So coconut oil is not healthy for me. It might be perfectly healthy for you, or it might not. But guessing as to, and that's, Also, why when people do research about their particular situation, you're going to get a hundred different answers like chocolate's good for you, chocolate's bad for you, coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you, butter's good for you, butter's bad for you, kale's good for you, kale's bad for you. It's all individualized. Yeah, it's just it gives you like that peace of mind that that you could do something about it. And I think that's what's so empowering. You know, I've heard you talk about keto and and junk keto. And I would love to go into that because I feel like keto definitely gets a bad rap because you think of all the processed foods and the bacon and all that. So can you tell me, and, and also... And I guess this is generalizing, but it seems like for brain tumors, keto has been very helpful for people. Um, But like you said, you have to test and it's not right for everyone. But I just wanted to hear more about keto and and, you know, compare it to to the junk keto. Well, firstly, it was interesting because I just got out of the Cancer Revolution Summit where I was presenting, but also listening to Dr. Thomas Seafried. And he brought up the point about We always hear about brain cancers and keto. The reason we hear about brain cancers and keto so much is because most of us have six months to live and we know that standard of care doesn't work. So we have to try something. And so the reason there's so much research on brain cancer and keto is because of the situation that we're put in. He said very clearly they have never in a Petri dish or a mouse study found a cancer that did not respond to lower glucose and higher fat content. That all cancers are basically, if you look at the mechanism of the ketogenic diet, and this is clean keto, we're going to get to this and not the Hollywood weight loss crap that they're eating. Um, Clean keto, basically, uh, Cancer cells are all similar in the fact that their mitochondria is broken, damaged, or dying. Healthy cells have healthy mitochondria. So what happens when you eat less carbohydrates and more fat to basically really simplify it 
is that you're undermining cancer's favorite fuel, which is glucose, and you're increasing the alternative fuel, which is ketones or burning fat. Healthy cells get more energy or what we call ATP from uh, burning fat than they do from burning sugar. So you're actually making more energy in your body. So healthy cells and your body are getting healthier. Cancer cells are getting weaker. Who doesn't want that to be happening in their body? And especially since we always think of cancer as being this thing called a tumor, but the reality is, is every single day we make 2000 cancer cells in our body from our bone marrow naturally. So cancer is just a part of who we are. It's what we do with diet and lifestyle that cause those circulating cancer cells to become a problem or to get gobbled up by our immune system. Such a good explanation. And, and so basically we're trying to heal our terrain. So our terrain gets rid of the cancer. We're not just looking to just get rid of the tumor. Yes. And so a lot of people don't understand that word terrain that Nisha uses a lot. So I think of it as a gardener. So I have some plants in the garden and I have a bunch of kale plants growing. Some of the kale plants are not doing as well and the aphids come to that kale plant that is weaker. So I could treat that kale plant like, like you would treat with chemo or radiation or a clinical trial from the outside, or I could compost that kale plant, which would give it more nutrients, and then it becomes stronger. And then the aphids leave the strong plant to go to the next weak plant. So I kind of think of my body like that kale plant. I'm going to make myself stronger and deprive the cancer cells of their favorite fuels. And then cancer is not going to have a favorable environment in my body and it's going to go away. Yeah. But we didn't get to talk about clean keto and dirty keto. Exactly. So let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. So the way I think about um, keto, when I first started 10 years ago, there was like no information on it. I was like trying my best, um, but not doing a very good job. But now when I look at it, I am not setting like, I don't say, hey, Haley, here's a meal plan for you. I say, okay, let's look at your intake form and 20 pages and go through your whole life. And we're looking for your SHIT. So we're seeing which areas come out to be like really strong for you. Then we're going to be like, okay, you've got a lot of areas of like insulin resistance, which means you're eating too many carbs. So then we're going to look at your labs and we're going to see if that's true this month. We're going to be looking at fasting glucose, hemoglobin A1C. We're going to be looking at IGF-1, uric acid. And if those are all elevated, then we know that you're eating too many carbs. Then I would go over to your DNA and see how is your ability to process carbohydrates? Do you process carbohydrates really, really well? Or are you likely to be more on the end of insulin resistance or diabetes, which could feed cancer? Then I do the same things for fats and the same thing for proteins and going through everything stage by stage. Then I create a diet just for you because everybody's different. And I wish we could just get off of our high horses and stop saying everybody should do this or everybody should do this or everybody should do this because 
the real the reality, it just makes sense that we're all different. Exactly. And we, you know, so getting back to clean keto, I always say it's not plant-based, it's called plant-focused. So the number one thing I'm looking for is a lot of good, healthy fats. That's going to be dependent on your DNA. Then I'm looking for nine cups of low-carbohydrate vegetables, which is per day. That's a lot. But it's also going to vary on what people's DNA is, what their labs are, what their intake form is, and then a small amount of quality protein. So a lot of the studies out there that say that like red meat causes cancer, you know, we're beef farmers here, our red meat, if you tested it for growth hormones, antibiotics, we just don't use them. So if you have a healthy cow that is eating a healthy plant-based diet, then that creates a healthy meat. We can actually see in the labs if people are eating toxic plants or toxic meats, it shows up in the cancer growth factors. I can literally tell you if you're doing well on your diet or if the diet is actually creating more cancer inflammation or less. So we're always adjusting every single month when labs come in. It's like, oh, look, your protein got a little high this month. We're going to back off on protein or your protein got a little low this month. We're going to add a little bit more protein or another thing. No, people don't even talk about is low cholesterol is ominous for cancer. So we really want to have good, healthy cholesterol. Cholesterol, a short way to explain it is, is energy transportation. So if you don't have enough cholesterol, actually your case for having a poor outcome from a cancer diagnosis is uh, quite high. Mm -hmm. So we're adjusting fats, adjusting proteins, adjusting carbs constantly. Just a quick question about that. Is that LDL and HDL or, I mean, I know you want a higher HDL. Well, that whole thing is all bullshit too, actually. So without giving a whole course on cholesterol, basically overall cholesterol, we want to have like over 200. And this is also problematic because a lot of people are doing off-label drugs and they're doing statins and their cholesterol is getting too low. So total cholesterol is not a good measurement of how healthy you are, but it does show us how much energy is being moved around the body. Low HDL, high HDL, it can be not enough fats if it's low. It can be too many toxins if it's high. LDL is not bad cholesterol. They've actually now shown studies that LDL is absolutely essential for life. What we're really looking at is triglycerides because elevated triglycerides can mean that you've got alcoholic fatty liver disease or fatty liver disease that's just caused by too many carbohydrates. Then it gets really fancy. We look into the particle size of the cholesterol. And this is where I really love to geek out. I'm going to say just two quick things. What we're looking for in cholesterol now is what we call glycated cholesterol, which means you basically have a cholesterol, which is energy, and it's covered in sugar, glycated. That causes the cholesterol to be deformed, a deformed particle, and it causes small, dense cholesterol which is more dangerous for heart disease. The other way the cholesterol happens is it actually gets oxidized. So stress, poor sleep, all different ways that can cause oxidative stress wrap around that cholesterol. We want the cholesterol to look like big beach balls. 
And it ends up through stress and sugar and carbs being malformed into what we now call bad particle sizes or small, dense cholesterol. So we kind of throw away the HDL and the LDL. We use them for different reasons now, looking mainly for me for toxins in someone's cholesterol, because it will show if the HDL, everybody's like, oh, my HDL is really high. I'm like, oh, we need to run a toxin test on you because that means most likely you have very, very high toxins. Wow. And then the toxin test, what is that? What kind of test is that? Uh, well, there's a bunch of different ones. The one we used to use um, was called uh, GPL, Great Plains Lab Toxin Test. Um, and then there was the heavy metal test. And then there was the pesticide and herbicide test. And then the glyphosate test and the mold test. Okay. They were now bought by, oh, it was a company that starts with an M. I'll think of it in a second. Um, but anyway, they're reformulating some of those tests right now. Um, but we can get those tests done uh, on people. And it is now called, I'm trying to find it. Uh, oh, and that's okay. Anyway, it's the company that brought, bought, if you put in greatplainslab.com, it will actually bump to the new company. Perfect. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlson. I'm the owner of the Carlson Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarlfoldcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McClellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. And I wanted to ask you, just go back to the cholesterol, because conventional doctors aren't going to look at that, the density of the cholesterol or... No, they, they, they haven't even gotten the memo that cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. I mean, every time I go to the doctor, we have this same discussion and I keep feeding him studies and studies. And finally, the other day, finally, he said to me, he was like, well, I'm not going to talk to you about your cholesterol because clearly you know more about it than I do. And I was like, yay. <laughs> At least he said that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a miracle because I wasn't kind of ready to go, blah, 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 blah. Here we go again. Right. And, you know, I know my husband's on statins and my father and, and it drives me crazy that my husband is like, you know, I keep saying, can you get off of them? Can you ask him? And, and, you know, most people are just used to listening to whatever their doctor says. Well, I can send you later. You should email me and I'll send you the whole thing. Of, I compiled a thing that you can send to your doctor about cholesterol and it's all the studies. And the other thing, the big thing is, is, you know, maybe someone's, uh, if you have APOE4 or APOE4, um, a lot of times people, I have that gene, my cholesterol is 500. 
So I actually can use um, an herb to actually pull my cholesterol down from 500 to 300. So if someone has genetic familial high cholesterol that we'll see in their labs, it might make sense to pull it down just a tiny bit. Now, if someone has a healthy, normal cholesterol, you know, statins cause diabetes. And so what we can have is what Dr. Nisha says is we have this problem of the whack-a-mole. We whack one disease and then another one pops up. So if we're lowering cholesterol because we think energy transportation is too high, well, first of all, we need to test that cholesterol to see if it's the good kind or the bad kind. If we're lowering the good kind of cholesterol, and this is not HDL, LDL, it's the beach ball versus the small dense particles. If we're lowering good cholesterol, we're lowering that person's longevity because it is energy to the body. And if we're causing high blood sugar on the other end or fatty liver from the statins, then that can feed a cancering process. So we have to be very judicious and really look at the full picture, all the tests. You know, every single month I'm doing 80 lab tests. I'm testing everything. You know, it's all about tests. Don't guess. Right. Right. And you're doing this for yourself as well as your clients. Is that what what you mean? Yeah. I mean, if you're dealing with a scary cancer diagnosis or you're in an active cancering process, you know, we like to test every month, you know, once things, you know, start to stabilize, we might look at once every three months for healthy people. I would say they want to look once a year, like for my family, my extended family, you know, all 20 of them do once a year and we do an analysis that way, you know, we have a baseline of what a healthy person looks like. And then if something happens, we can see what went awry. Because otherwise, if you don't have a baseline, you don't know what someone's normal is. Exactly. And this is really, people need to see a metabolic approach trained clinician or someone like you to get these tests. So I just wanted to, to say that because people... Some listeners will be like, well, how do I get that? How does my doctor get me that? You know? Yeah. So, you know, I walk people through like how to ask your doctor for these lab tests and how to get it covered by insurance because you want to work with your local GP to do that. And if you have cancer, we don't want to use your oncologist. The oncologist isn't the person to order blood tests for you. We want to use your general practitioner. And then I want everybody to have a Dr. Nisha trained doctor at the top of their pyramid. And so I consider the, the client and the Dr. Nisha trained doctor at the top of the pyramid. And then the oncologist and the radiologist and me, myself as the oncology nutrition consultant, like we're all support staff. I have 18 different doctors, but my Dr. Nisha trained doctor and myself are at the top of the pyramid. If any one of these doctors recommend something, it always is run through the person at the top. And that I think is really important because sometimes we don't have enough doctors on board, but sometimes we have too many doctors on board and we end up a lot of these therapies, like even um, some of these herbs, like can't be combined with other things and it can be dangerous. And so it's really important that you're not just more is better. It's all about like 
If you see something in your lab, say, for example, you have elevated copper, for example, copper can be an angiogenesis growth factor. It basically can have a tumor hook up to more blood vessels. And then the, when it gets more blood vessels, it can grow bigger. Well, if you have high copper, it is encouraging that tumor to do that or to create new tumors to do that. So we want to pull down copper as a cancer growth factor. How do you do that? You use zinc citrate to do that, but you have to make sure that it's not contraindicated to everything else that you're taking. It has to be like a holistic plan that's all run through the doctor at the top. Yes, that's so good. And, and for people that are going through conventional treatment, you could still work with them. And so can these trained doctors and they'll know what they can and can't do being on treatment. Well, and you know, your conventional doctor might say you can do this, this, and this, and this. And then I would take that list to my Dr. Nasha trained doctor and say, do you agree with this? Can you guys agree together on this list? Because what I loved about the Cancer Revolution Summit is there were so many presentations where people did standard of care and uh, therapeutic carbohydrate restriction or keto. And, you know, they were initially some of the studies a few years ago showed like a 50% increase in effectiveness of standard of care. I heard some of the studies over the last uh, couple of weeks were saying like a 3000% increase in effectiveness for standard of care. So, you know, I think we're just beginning to get the studies on these things, but the whole goal is how do we get the healthy cells healthier, the cancer cells weaker, and then hit them with a treatment. I like to think of it is imagine that you're standing on two legs and then you go to a lower carbohydrate diet and you go to a higher fat diet, pick one leg off the ground. You're now standing on one leg. The cancer cell is like, uh, like kind of struggling. And then you hit it with whatever treatment that you're hitting with, and it knocks the other leg out. I love these analogies. I'm picturing them. Great, great. So I wanted to go back to, to you a little bit. I know I heard you at one point say that, that your cancer returned at some point. Was that, mm -hmm. how long was that after you went through your initial. So I got diagnosed in 2013. And then on my fifth year anniversary, you know, when everybody's like, oh, unfortunately, I don't know why we think like five years you're in the clear. It's so not true. On my fifth anniversary, I actually, they found something tiny. And so I cried for a couple of days. And then, you know, of course we rescanned um, and it was growing three months later, we rescanned and I was doing MRIs without gadolinium at that point. So I cried for a couple of days again, and then I dusted myself off and I said, okay, what in Dr. Nisha's list am I missing? And also I have my own list, which is probably even 10 times longer than her list. So I'm just like, I'm going through all these things and being like, what could it be? At the time, I hadn't really quit dairy, even though my gene said I had the LCT gene, which means I'm the wild type LCT gene, which means I can't process dairy. So I immediately quit dairy. Um, also, at the time, I had I was kind of faking meditation. And I know for you, that's like getting your mind right is part of the whole thing. So 
as you can tell, I'm kind of a high energy type A person. So I had to really learn like, how do I meditate every day? I got a teacher, I got a therapist. I really was like, I think the mental emotional component, I have not dived deep enough into this component. So I said, okay, this is the recurrences are like little angels that are coming down and they're messengers to say, hey, Allison, it's not that you're not doing a good job. It's just that you probably missed a few things. That's just beautiful because I know people are struggling that are listening to this and what am I doing wrong? And they're beating themselves up, but it's just about being a detective. Yes. And really looking inside and what can I change or what can we do? Exactly. And I think we also get very tumor centric because it is important to scan for progression or for any kind of new tumors. But really when we look at the lab spreadsheet, what we want to see is that I'm getting healthier every month. You're getting healthier every month. My clients are all getting healthier every month. We're looking, we're thinking about that kale plant and nourishing that kale plant so that cancer can't have an opportunity. Now, cancer is very smart. It is, you know, looking for like ways around. It can mutate its DNA. It can change personalities. So it doesn't mean that you're not doing enough. It might just mean like, oh, let's have a closer look at the labs. Let's have a closer look at the list of all the potential growth factors and see what we might be missing. I had another recurrence in 2020, and it was right when a series of wildfire smoke came through our area and literally left us in a fog of smoke. At the same time, I also realized that I had never tested for radon because we were broke due to cancer treatments and all, you know, a lot of the stuff isn't covered. Um, I knew that the radon mitigation was going to cost $2,000 to $5,000. And then finally, I was like, okay, air pollution is one of the biggest drivers of brain cancer. So I really have to look at the quality of my air. And even though I'm in rural Colorado, that wildfire smoke came through. I had a recurrence within six months of that wildfire smoke coming through. Then I did my radon tests and they were through the roof. So Luckily, Colorado has a program for free radon assistance for people that are low income. And so I qualified for that. And so I fixed those problems. And then you can get an air filter for your house if you live in the city or if you live in a place with wildfire smoke. Um, We've got to get the toxins. As I mentioned, the SHIT, you can't have toxins coming into the body if you're trying to heal from cancer. Yeah. And I mean, some of them are hard to avoid, right? Like, if you're near a freeway and and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you said testing, assessing, and then addressing, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's been only two of my clients out of thousands that I've been like, look, I really think you need to move, you know, because I'm looking at their drinking water report. I'm looking at their air report. I'm looking at their radon report. I'm looking at everything. People hire me because they want a customized diet. And they love to know about their genes and they love the detective work into the labs. But Heather and I, who work together in my business, we are just like detectives and we can't stop. We just want to make sure no stone is unturned to figure out why you got cancer. 
And so we're looking at every possible cancer growth factor and we want to know. And we can just reverse them one by one. It is overwhelming, but you're not going to do it all in like two weeks. Exactly. It is a process. Mm -hmm. I I know, you know, my cancer was 25 years ago and I'm still learning more and more and more and make changes all the time. Yes. Every day I learn something new and that's what makes it so much fun. And you really can, you, you, you find the detective work fun, right? Don't you? Definitely. Yeah. And you know, the gift of cancer is our family. I mean, you have kids, right? Right. You've cleaned up your whole life and it is a, had this like ripple effect to all the people that you love. And that's why I say, you know, thank you, cancer, F you cancer. It's kind of like both. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it brings me to, you know, this time of year, especially with breast cancer awareness and all this stuff and, and fighting cancer and, and just the terms that are used. It really frustrates me. (laughs) I'm guessing it frustrates you as well. Yes. It drives me nuts. This whole like war on fighting. It doesn't make sense, you know, because, and I fought cancer for five years and what it brought me was a recurrence. So we have to realize that when we have negative thoughts, And a fight is kind of a negative thought, right? That can raise cortisol. And when cortisol goes up, it's a stress hormone that can affect your estrogen and progesterone. It can also affect um, your insulin. So just thinking that I'm fighting cancer can raise my blood sugar and feed cancer. So I was like, maybe I need to rethink this whole thing about cancer. What if I just love my cancer to death or not even love my cancer to death? I just have to love it and embrace it and be like, my body makes cancer cells every day. I'm going to make my body so strong that cancer doesn't have an opportunity. If I have a, a tumor or a growth, I'm going to love it and embrace it because it's part of me. We can't just like keep cutting parts out of us for the rest of our life. You know, we are not a tumor. We are a person and we are a person filled with love and joy. And I think you talk about that on your website as well. Like I try to have the morning dedicated to self-care and then I try to have the afternoon dedicated to joy. Anything that has nothing to do with cancer. Yes. And I think that's so important because I'm not a diagnosis and and a diagnosis could be brain cancer, terminal. It could be NED, no evidence of disease. Like everything is like a label. I'm way more than a label. What is my quality of life? How much fun am I having? How many vacations am I taking? We forget about that, right? Right. So important. Um, so that we talked about this because I do think, you know, even when people might not go the conventional path and they see a naturopathic doctor and they're trying to figure out all the reasons and, and do this and take this, and but you're still in that fight mode. I'm not saying that these things aren't important, yeah. but it kind of gives you perspective. Like, okay, you know, I need to look at other things. I need to have joy in my life. I need to be with people who lift me up and make me feel good. And, 
and have self-compassion. Yeah. Just like you talked about, you know, with, with the tumor, you know, people might say like, oh my God, loving the tumor. But as you said, it's, it's self-love. It's loving yourself. Yes. Well, it would be like, I'm not going to love my thumb. Like just the thought of not loving my thumb is a negative thought, which is going to affect my hormones, my insulin, my stress and drive my cancer and probably eventually kill, you know, have bad things happen to me. So it is a fine balance of what I try to say about our labs and our scans is they're not good or bad. They're information. So if I have a scan and it shows something that is a maybe something, I'm just like, okay, of my list of things that I'm doing, what have I not done? When I look at my labs, how is my insulin? How is my stress? How are my hormones? How are my toxins? How am I doing? And a lot of times we get worse before we get better. And it doesn't mean we're not doing a good job. We've got to look at our labs and look at, oh, 90% of my labs have gotten better. And there's a couple that aren't as good. We always focus on the bad. We never focus on all these amazing things that are happening in our body. I feel better at 58 than I did when I was 28. Like, how do you put a price on that? You're absolutely right. I'm 55 and I feel the exact same way. <laughs> nice. Yes. And I'm just laughing when you say, I was just having this conversation with a friend yesterday because we play pickleball together and everyone remembers like the bad shot you had, but you could have 50 good shots right. and then, but you're focusing on that one bad shot. So it's like the same thing with the numbers, but yes, this was just so, so helpful. And I just... Before we get into random round, I just wanted to ask you, is there any last suggestions for the audience, you know, people that that might be going through cancer or also, you know, are trying to avoid recurrence? Or prevent, right? Or prevent. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what I Heather and I love to do on my website is allisongannett.com so people can find us there. You can sign up just to do your labs and your DNA if you just want to you know, be preventative. I find everybody, you know, young ch children, like we can do DNA at six months of age. Um, also, we're doing a lot of work with people who want to conceive. Um, so, you know, you can work with SHIT with fertility, for example. Um, but we can prevent things that you and I went through. So we do consults for that. You can download my cookbook on my website because again, we were talking about clean keto, dirty keto. There's also clean keto, dirty keto and anti-cancer keto. So my cookbook is very much focused on anti-cancer keto. And I also have a 28 day program there where you can clean up your um, cancer growth factors, whether you're trying to prevent or conquer cancer and then of course, coaching programs as well. And so just realize that you have power. You know, I felt so powerless when I was diagnosed and I was laying in the hospital and I was a, like a victim to cancer. And I'm sure you can relate so much. And I'm sure everybody listening can relate. I don't feel like a victim. I feel that I have power over my health. I feel that I'm going to live longer now than I did before I got diagnosed. So I try to look as cancer as like this gift 
And it, I had the check engine light has been on for 20 years. I kept putting tape over it. And then all of a sudden I got the C word and I had to decide like, am I going to rip that tape off and do some hard work? And it's been just so fantastic. Oh, good for you. And it just made me think about you being an extreme skier because, you know, first of all, I think that's so cool. But second of all, I see that people are, you know, working out like crazy, you know, nonstop cardio and all that stuff. And like I've heard you say, that's not, not so good always. Because it again, raises cortisol. And so we, uh, there's actually a great study on high sensitivity C-reactive protein on, and they basically did a study on all the different sports that were out there. And basically any sport that involves uh, cardio over uh, 12 minutes, I believe, was shown to be inflammatory. So, but again, everybody's different. Like I had high cortisol, so I needed to stop exercising with cardio. Um, you know, I bought a surfboard and I now have a raft and I do lots of sports that are more just fun, joy. Uh. And, but people who have low cortisol, then they need to add high interval train, high intensity interval training to their routine, because that is going to be helpful for them, but not helpful for me. Again, testing. Same old thing. Test, test, test. Uh, and you've got to know what it means. And a lot of doctors have no idea what these mean. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is such a movement and I'm so excited to be part of it. And. I am going to start with random rounds. Oh, here we go. Fun. Here we go. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is. Peace. The last show you binged and loved. Suits. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Go for a walk in nature. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Uh, today, it would be Dr. Bruce Lipton, who just did that great presentation and wrote the book, Biology of Belief. Love it. And he was on the podcast, so people... Oh, great. <laughs> what is your favorite go-to snack? Uh, I oscillate between um, my Allison's favorite Life by Chocolate brownies. Um, and also I have a dairy-free ice cream that is just to die for. Okay, I need to get your recipes. Yes. What is one simple thing that brings you joy? Hmm. Uh, immediately think of waves. I just, I am such, so addicted to surfing. There's just something so peaceful about the movement in the waves. And I also think about waves and water when I'm meditating, I think I'm not only I'm being the water, like I'm a molecule of water. And then it doesn't matter like the waves that go through there, the hurricanes that pass the floods, that I am just that molecule of water. And I am just like stable in the storm. Mm, that's amazing. You know, almost like riding the waves, like Yes, but I've always been, um, and this is just kind of kind of a funny story. I've always been like a captain, a control freak. So I'm trying to stop being a control freak because control freaks are when you're tend to be when you're fearful about something. 
So, so like, for example, if I'm nervous about my scan, I will tell my husband where to park. <laughs> right. So then I'll catch myself and then I'll be like, okay, where's that coming from? I need to be that molecule of the water instead of trying to drive the cruise ship. Mm. Yes, that makes so much sense. What is one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Mm. I would say, again, peace. I just finding this inner calmness that I never had. I never would have found it without cancer. So I'm very grateful for that. Beautiful. And I think I missed what what is on your nightstand. Oh, gosh. Piles and piles of books that are nothing to do with cancer. I am. I just like when I'm done with cancer, I'm done with cancer for the day. And I try to do my work in the morning, like I said, and then everything is about joy and love and nature and fun and I love fiction. I love good historical fiction. I love it. And we talked about where people can find you, but maybe just say your website one more time. Yeah, it's alisongannett.com, A-L-I-S-O-N, G is in George, A-N-N is in Nancy, E-T-T as in Tom, dot com. Perfect. Allison, thank you so much. This was such a joy, and I know it's going to help so many people. Well, it's such an honor and you have done so much hard work and it's just amazing what you have done to bring these stories of hope and survival that cancer can be the turnaround point for your whole life. And you're showing people that because so often we just hear horrible things and we need to hear the great things. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.